Now it's time for us to turn to this morning's scripture reading. Today in worship, we're beginning a new sermon series, a series that we're calling The House of the Lord. In the next few weeks, as we make our way through the Advent and the Christmas season, we're going to hear about all of the many places that God has called home. For a moment, I wanna bring back the picture, the, the image that we're using to represent this sermon series. Take a look at this drawing. I want you to know that this drawing was made by a, a member of our church family, Aaron, who is five years old. We asked him to draw a picture of a house, and so he, he drew this incredibly elaborate and beautiful picture of a house, and I got to hear about it from Aaron the other day as he described to me all of the things that are going on in this picture. This house has got slides and lots of rooms and all sorts of towers and and interesting things happening. This is Aaron's picture of a house. We're going to use this picture for the next few weeks in worship as we learn about all of the places that God has called home. Thank you, Aaron, for letting us use this drawing. Thank you for, for your gift to your church family. As we make our way through this sermon series, we're going to be sharing, sharing this series with our friends at the Lake Fenton United Methodist Church. Now, Lake Fenton United Methodist Church is a place where once as a pastor, people made me feel very much at home. And right now, Lake Fenton United Methodist Church and Lake Fenton is a place where our friend Pastor Vince Slocum, formerly of Court Street United Methodist Church, now, now calls home. And so over the next few weeks, you're going to get to hear me preach a little bit and you're going to get to hear some messages from, from Pastor Vince. You're going to hear lots of stories from the Bible about places where God has chosen to dwell in order to be close to us. And today we're going to begin at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. Open your heart, listen for God's voice as our friend Patrick shares with us this morning's scripture reading. Genesis chapter 3 verses 8 through 10. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So just about 20 years ago, a few months before my wife and I got married, my mom also got married. After my father passed away, my mom met a man named Phil. Phil was a pastor. They fell in love. They got married. And Phil was one of the best things that ever happened to our family. For more than 20 years now, Phil has been a friend and a role model and a mentor to me in life and in ministry. And we are so glad that Phil became a part of our family. Phil is one of the things that I gave thanks for this week as we gathered around the table and celebrated Thanksgiving. Now for my mom, the only downside to getting married to Phil was that she had to move. She had to move out of the house where I grew up and she moved into the parsonage, the church parsonage where Phil lived. And the downside to the parsonage was that it wasn't, it wasn't a very big house. It was a perfectly fine house for two people. But when I got married, and then my sister got married, and I started having children, and my sister started having children, that little parsonage seemed to get smaller and smaller and smaller, especially whenever the family got together for the holidays. Now, sometimes when we were all gathered at the house for Thanksgiving or for Christmas, that little church parsonage got to feeling downright claustrophobic. 
And then after a few years of living in that parsonage, Phil got appointed to a new church. And so my mom had to move again. That's what happens when you're married to a pastor. And they moved to an even smaller parsonage. Now, once again, it was a perfectly fine house for two people. But when all the family got together for the holidays, there was just no room in the house that was big enough to accommodate all of us. We were packed into that little house like sardines. The dining room table was bigger than the dining room. We had to eat meals in shifts, and if you got stuck at the wrong end of the table, then you were trapped and you didn't get out of there until everybody else had finished their meal. You know, we elbowed each other and stepped on each other's toes for years in that little parsonage, year after year, holiday after holiday. And then this summer, Phil retired from pastoring. And as Phil and my mom were looking forward to retirement, they made a big decision. They decided that for once in their lives, they were going to live in a house that was just exactly the way they wanted a house to be. They decided they wanted to live in a house that they had designed, a house that they had created. And so they worked with an architect and they drew up plans and they built a home. Uh, the house that they designed was a little bit my mom and it was a little bit Phil. Phil is a cowboy at heart, and so Phil wanted a house that had wide open views and room for horses to run around. And my mom, all that she wanted as they were designing this house, the only thing she wanted was one great big room, a room that was big enough to hold the entire family whenever we got together for the holidays. Of course, the pandemic slowed everything down and because of COVID, the building process dragged on for months and months longer than they'd originally planned. But finally, just about a week ago, the very last doors were hung and the house was completed. Now, this is the house that my mom and Phil live in now. And you can see that Phil got what he wanted. You can see that he got his wide open views, room for horses to run around. And this is my mom's great big room. This is the space that she wanted, a space where the kitchen flows into the dining room and the dining room flows into the living room and there is plenty of space for everyone, everyone to play games and laugh and eat meals together all at the same time. Now my mom finally, after 20 years of living in parsonages, after 20 years of being cramped and running out of space for the holidays, finally this year, just in time for Thanksgiving, my mom has got a room big enough to hold all of us. And this year for Thanksgiving, none of us were there. Now this week I didn't go to see my mom over the Thanksgiving holiday. Why? Because I love her. Isn't it a strange time that we're living in that I can say, I didn't go and see my mom for Thanksgiving this year. Why? Because I love her and everybody knows exactly what I mean. Everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. So many of us made that same decision this week. So many of us made that same sacrifice not to be with the people we love precisely because we love them. We don't want to put them in danger and we don't want to put their lives at risk. I've had so many conversations with court streeters over the last few weeks who were wrestling with decision, the decision of whether or not to get together with family over Thanksgiving and over Christmas. And as the last few days went on, more and more of the people I talked to told me that they were going to stay away, keep their distance from loved ones this year so that everybody would be able to get together, so that everyone would be gathered around the table next holiday season. 
It was a hard week for many of us. The first time many of us have celebrated the holidays without traveling, without seeing our extended family, without being part of big family gatherings. It was a hard week filled with difficult decisions. God knew exactly how we all felt as we made that hard decision in the last few days. Now this morning we're beginning a new sermon series, a series that we're calling The House of the Lord. Over the next few weeks as we make our way through Advent and then through the Christmas season, we're going to read the story of the Bible as we move with God from one home to the next. Now one of the things that you might know about pastors is that pastors move around a lot. We live in a lot of houses. We call a lot of places home. In the 20 years that my wife and I have been married, we've lived in seven different houses, seven different homes. It turns out that just as pastors move around a lot, God also moves from place to place to place. As we make our way through the story of the Bible, we discover that God moves from one home to the next over and over again. And every time God moves, God moves for one reason. God moves out of one single driving motivation, the motivation to be with us, the motivation to move just a little bit closer to us. Over the next few weeks, we're gonna learn about some of the places that God has called home. We're going to follow the story of the Bible as God moves closer and closer to us. We're going to read about and learn about the places where God was willing to live in order to dwell among us. And the story that we're going to tell over the next few weeks begins this morning in the very beginning. In today's scripture reading from the book of Genesis, we hear that in the beginning when God created the world, when God created the first human beings, Adam and Eve, God placed them in a garden that was called Eden. And there in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had everything they ever could have possibly wanted. And the garden was filled with trees that gave them every kind of fruit. The garden was filled with friendly animals. And the best thing about the Garden of Eden was that God lived there too. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve got to see God face to face. God would come by in the afternoon and they would sit and talk and drink lemonade together. And in the evenings, they would share meals and they would play games and sing songs and laugh late into the night. Adam and Eve had a good thing there living with God in the Garden of Eden. But then, of course, they blew it. There was one tree in the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve weren't supposed to mess with. God said, you can eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except for the fruit of the tree, of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from that tree. Don't eat that fruit. And of course, the time came when Adam and Eve just couldn't help it. One day they looked at that fruit and they saw that it was juicy and it looked delicious and it was ripe and they just wanted to know, what does it taste like? And so they picked a piece of fruit and they each took a bite. And as soon as they did, immediately, as soon as they took a bite of that fruit, Adam and Eve regretted their decision. Up until that point in their lives, Adam and Eve had only known good. They had only done good. They had only tasted good. And now for the first time in their lives, Adam and Eve knew evil. They had done evil. They had tasted evil. They didn't like the way it tasted. For the first time in their lives, they felt what people feel when we choose to do something that we know is wrong. For the very first time in their lives, they felt guilt 
For the very first time in their lives, they felt shame. For the very first time in their lives, they felt embarrassment. Adam and Eve began to worry. They started to wonder, what is God going to say when God finds out what we've done? What will God do when God discovers what we have done? Will God know what we have done just by looking at us? And so, like children, Adam and Eve try to cover up what they've done by covering up themselves. They start covering themselves with leaves that they've picked off of a fig tree that was growing nearby. And this is supposed to be funny, by the way. You're supposed to picture Adam and Eve trying to cover themselves with all of these fig leaves and you're supposed to see that this is ridiculous. It's absolutely laughable. The Bible is a funny book if you look at it from the right angle. And then as Adam and Eve are being ridiculous as they're trying to cover their nakedness with all of these leaves, suddenly they hear God approaching, walking through the garden. And so in a panic, Adam and Eve dive behind a bush. And that's supposed to be funny too. The only thing more ridiculous than trying to cover yourself with a bunch of fig leaves is believing that somehow you can beat God at a game of hide and seek. Now, of course, God knows where they are. And of course, God knows what they've done. And God looks through the bush. God looks through the leaves. God looks right into Adam's heart and into Eve's heart. And what God sees in their hearts breaks God's heart. For the very first time, God looks into Adam and Eve's hearts and God sees pain. God sees the pain of embarrassment, the pain of shame, the pain of guilt. God sees that it is hurting Adam and Eve to be close to God in that moment. And for the very first time, God looks into their hearts and God sees fear. God sees that Adam and Eve are afraid of God and that they want to be distant and far away from God. And looking into Adam and Eve's hearts and seeing how it was hurting them to be close to God in that moment, God makes a very difficult decision. God sends Adam and Eve away from the Garden of Eden. Now, when I was in Sunday school growing up, my teacher told me that this was a punishment, that God cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden in order to punish them for breaking the rules, in order to punish them for committing a sin. But the older I get, the more time I spend with this story, the more I've come to believe that what God does in this moment is not so much a punishment as it is an act of grace. God sends Adam and Eve away from the Garden of Eden. Why? Because God loves them. God looks at Adam and Eve and God says, I'm going to send you away. We have to be distant from one another for a while because being close to me right now is harming you. Being close to me right now is putting you at risk. The very first act of healing grace that we read about in the Bible is an act of social distancing. And even as God is sending Adam and Eve out of the garden, it is clear that this arrangement, it is clear that this distancing is not supposed to be permanent. This is only meant to be a temporary situation. Even as God is sending Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, God is already making plans for how God will bridge the gap, how God will close the distance so that God can live among us, so that God can be close to humanity once again. God is already planning how and when and where 
God will dwell amongst human beings once more. This has been a difficult week filled with difficult decisions. This week we've done things and chosen to do things that we've never done or chosen to do before. It may be that some of us are wrestling with guilt. It may be some of us are, are carrying a burden of regret or sadness over gatherings that didn't happen this week, over the distance that we chose to put between us and the people that we love. It might even be that some of us are experiencing judgment or condemnation from loved ones who can't understand why we wouldn't be close to them this week. This has been a hard week filled with hard choices and difficult decisions. And if you're feeling a little bit beat up after this week, if you're feeling a little bit disappointed in the world, disappointed with yourself, questioning decisions that you made, Here's the thing I want you to hear this week. Here's the message that God is speaking to us through this story today. The choices we made this week and the decisions that we've been making for the last eight months have been a reflection of the grace of God. Those choices, those decisions not to be close to our loved ones because we love them, those decisions have been a reflection of the heart of God, a reflection of the love of God. God has been in those decisions. We don't need to feel guilty about them. We can let go of any, any embarrassment or regret or pain that we're carrying because of those decisions. And not only that, but I hope that you know, I hope you believe that all of these decisions and all of these arrangements and all of this distancing is only for a little while. All of this is only temporary. Even now, God is working on a plan. Even now, God is working among us. Even now, God is mapping out how and when and where all of us can be together again. And as we make our way through the story of the Bible for the next few weeks, as we read about how God begins to close the distance between heaven and earth, between God and humanity, as we read about all of the places that God has called home, in order to live among us, we're going to discover that what God plans, God will accomplish. Let's pray. God, today we give you thanks. We give you thanks because you have taught us how to care for one another. We give you thanks because as we read the pages and the stories of the Bible, we see your will. We learn how to love one another. We learn that sometimes the most difficult decisions are also the most loving and compassionate things that we can do. God, we pray that you would heal the pain that we've been feeling this week and in the last few months over not being able to gather together. And God, we pray that you would continue to work among us. Work among us in phone calls between friends and members of our church family. Work among us in electronic technologies that hold us together. Work among us in doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals who are tending to the sick. Work among us in the scientists who are working on vaccines and new treatments for the virus that has made this year so difficult. God, we pray that you would continue to work among us, that one day all of us might gather in your house and give you thanks. These things we pray in Jesus. Amen.